Welcome back to Podside, everyone. Uh, this is going to be a very interesting episode. We have Pete. Hey, I'm alive. Yes, and <laughs> we have two guests with us, uh, Kurt and Chris, uh, from Parents Just Don't Understand podcast. And uh, say hi, guys. Hi, guys. No, hello. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thanks nice. For, thanks for having us back. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it hasn't been that long, um, but uh, I was super excited for, for this one. And uh, I'm trying to get back into the zone of 12-year-old of me to have all my takes appropriately uh, at the right gear. Yes. Now, my, my parents want to know, is this the one with the blood turned off? <laughs> it is. It, it wow. is. It is, in yes. fact, the one with the blood nice turned off, technically. reference. That was a very toasty reference. Uh, Thank you. And uh, if you haven't figured it out, folks, we are going to be covering the 1995 classic Mortal Kombat. Some some might say the first elevated horror film. (laughs) You know, this is probably, in terms of my lifeline, the last film where I was comfortable just sort of like making the soundtrack noises with my mouth. Like I haven't done that with any movie since. (laughs) What you don't you don't like announce your presence by you know a ghostly sort of uh, ADR voice, you know. Oh, I I still do that, but only using the themes of this movie. <laughs> yes, Peter. it's such a strange. I'm, I'm glad that you, um, Pete. I'm glad that you mentioned that because it really that sentiment of making the noises with your mouth uh, is like perfectly captures the aesthetic of this film, which is th- this film could not be made unironically uh to mm. today and it's mostly unironic like they definitely kind of know that it's a bit silly mm-hmm. but they're not they're not like doing a bit like they are with like the sonic film for instance where they're kind of like haha we're making a sonic movie like they're very much like this is a movie for 13 year olds make the noises with your mouth as it as it happens go pachow pachow you know don't explain why somebody says the name of a character it's it's that that is the aesthetic that it's going for and it's very i think this is what 95 it's very 1995 and i don't mm-hmm. think it, it could exist uh outside of of that general chronological realm yeah do we want to just jump into uh synopsis do we want to talk about just how we came about you know what let's see how we came about watching this yeah because i mean synopsis is problematic because it's like a fights b and then b fights you, you know what i mean it's i'm, I'm not th- there are barely fights in this pete you know this actually <laughs> That's you're not entirely wrong there. That's one of the things that's weird about the film is is the percentage that is actual combat. <laughs> well, it, yeah. it comes and it goes, right? But right, because like the beginning, you definitely get that feeling like, oh, are there actually going to be fights in this? Because there don't seem to be. It takes about 20 minutes to introduce the like five significant characters um mm-hmm. in the film, which includes like the bad guys who don't really have any lines. Uh, a, a, apart from like, as you said before, like ADR'd ghostly sound effects that they shout from the games, Come but here! it still takes a little bit. Um, but then it is predominantly fighting, I, I would say. And it's actually it, it, what it occurred to me as I was watching this is this is basically Bloodsport and or um, Enter the Dragon is is like oh. basically the same format where it's yeah, like it's talk for half an hour and then it's a bunch of fights. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah it's I, definitely Bloodsport feeling. Yeah, I absolutely had that idea too. Uh, unlike Bloodsport, though, this one has like a like a ridiculous amount of um, story baggage on it. Uh, at, like compared to you know Bloodsport's relatively sleek of like here's this uh, Belgian guy coming to uh, you know kick kick some ass, and uh, this one is like you you must face the Shadow Warrior who killed your brother and blah blah blah. <laughs> like it just it gets really deep in lore uh, for for ten generations. <laughs> yes. Know? <laughs> for zero payoff yeah, i must right. emphasize for zero payoff or significance yes take take that nerds yeah <laughs> so uh yeah i mean um I, I remember we went to uh like this was our gaming group the the, the group that we used to get together to play vampire and or D or whatever and we uh, I'd mentioned this in a previous episode where we were talking about the craft. Uh, we would routinely go and have like game group uh, movie night. And this was like one of the most enjoyable like movie experiences we've ever had, mainly because the absolute genius of the maniac who said, you know what, before even the first scene, before even the title card, we are going to put that fucking Mortal Kombat <laughs> electro song right as the New Line Cinema logo comes up. And you would not believe the roar of response <laughs> of everyone singing along with that ridiculous, awesome song. A, a whole theater that was just singing along. It, it was great. Yeah, were they doing the the mouth music thing? Dun, 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 oh, for, dun, dun. Of, of course, dude. Come on, <laughs> that's awesome. I, mean, I can't speak for everyone else. I know I was, and there was a couple of people in my group that definitely were getting into that. So now I could be wrong uh, because honestly, my memories of this time period are a little fuzzy. But I seem to remember like the main theme of this movie being club music that was remixed a lot. It was um, it was actually a mix of club music and um, what I guess you would call like industrial metal, like uh, Geezer and Fear Factory and Stabbing Westward. Stabbing Westward appears multiple times in the film, but didn't isn't on the soundtrack for whatever reason. Um, typo but, negative. <laughs> yes, yes, typo negative, which is really neither. I, I mean, I, I guess like they kind of do a little bit of industrial metal at times, but they're very much like like a goth, in, like goth industrial, goth metal, I, I guess. They're just, they're just, they, they are typo negative. Um, I actually didn't notice them in, in the film. I'm sure that it's in there somewhere, but the, the use of the music is surprisingly subtle considering the type of music. Um, I think they but, they yeah. they actually make a an appearance briefly in that whole uh, sort of uh hell world that scorpion fights johnny cajun um just briefly in that just i think it's the drum line so most most of the um most of the johnny cage scorpion fight of course is a uh, fear factory the 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 song zero signal where it has that awesome which is by the way like the best music drop like the best like needle drop in the film is when a, a camera pans over and scorpions right next to him and it does like the dun 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 it's such like a <laughs> such like a 95 uh, uh thing but um but yeah i i i would say that um your your description of the theme is pretty is is pretty accurate Pete. and and po- point to mention um, the Mortal Kombat motion picture soundtrack was actually the very first uh, electronic album to go platinum in the United States. Um, oh, surprisingly, yeah. so it was it was that it was that popular. 
It also holds the distinction of being the very first uh, album I bought with a parental advisory sticker on it. <laughs> nice. Yes. So let, let me tell you about my experience with this film. That I mean, I may have seen it in little bits previously, but I think I've only seen it in full one time. And that's I went to see Waterworld, and mm. I watched that from beginning to end. And me and a few friends were like, well, you know, the next theater over is playing Mortal Kombat. And we're in the theater now. Who's going to stop us? No law but us. And so we went and sat down for that one. So, like, I went through five hours of soda drinking and shit (laughs) without peeing. And so the only thing – like, I didn't remember the end of the movie because, like, what's in my head, the the final 20 minutes of the movie are these huge yellow letters saying, don't pee, don't pee. (laughs) Well, you know. You well, could have used the cup like an Amazon worker. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. You could have recycled it like Kevin Costner in the uh, the aforementioned <laughs> yeah. Waterworld. Yeah, absolutely. It, it must it must have been brutal during the scene where uh, Melina is like the element that gives you life. And- <laughs> <laughs> oh, can I can I call that out for a second? I mean, like it's it's pointless to nitpick this film, but I would like to point out that all of the fucking elements give you life, right? Earth <laughs> yes. gives you life. Air gives you life. Potassium. Fire. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Radon for all I know. Yeah, she's not it's it's yeah, you're you're right. It is pointless to nitpick any particular element of this film, but it is very true that like as she's loudly saying, you know, remember <laughs> the element that gives you life. Like what what exactly is the purpose of that? Shang Tsung is right there. He yeah. can clearly hear what she's saying. <laughs> like if I were her, I would have said, "Hit him with the fucking bucket." Yeah. <laughs> and and I I do I, that that was one of the few things that did pay off was that of course in the next scene, Raiden is conspicuously leaving buckets of water for him to throw. Man, we're we're, we're already all over the place with yes. this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, how can we Spoilers, not I guess. I don't know. <laughs> well, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Spoilers for like a, a a what is it now? Like a 25-year-old movie? No, shit. It's uh yeah, 30 yeah, yeah, 25, 26 25. Yeah. 25. Yeah. Something wow. like that. Anyway. So, um in I, I think we were talking about about first watching experiences and I'm pretty sure that I saw this in theaters at the age of 12 or 13. Um, you know, in like important context for people who are probably younger than the age of I don't know, like 30 maybe even a little bit younger maybe even a little bit like older than that maybe even like younger than like 33 like i i feel like um you know uh, chris and i are probably part of the last generation that really grew up and experienced like the the era of like the classic arcades mm-hmm. and mortal Kombat was one of the last huge hits of the like the classic pre dance dance revolution like mall arcade like i definitely played mortal Kombat for the first time in like arcades at like my local mall there was one called spaceport um or like down at the boardwalk or something where you know there there was like Mm -hmm. a beach arcade Mm -hmm. and so you'd have to wait in line and there'd be all the teenagers playing and then you'd get there and you'd see the blood and be like whoa holy shit what is this and you you'd lose in like 35 seconds because you had no idea how to how to play and it wasn't out on on the home console um but everybody New Mortal Kombat. Everybody was that I knew as a kid, as like I said, I was like twelve, was psyched for this uh, movie to come out. Um, and I, I don't remember the circumstances of how I managed to see it in the film and the theaters. I don't remember if I saw it by myself or or with other people. I remember seeing it in theaters. Um, and as at that age, it was it was perfect. 
Like it would it it was it was before I had that experience of like seeing a film and being like, huh, this is a bad film. Yeah. Um, but but at the same time, like like this is exactly what I expected slash wanted as a 12 year old. And it had that sense of getting away with something by watching it, even <laughs> though there's no blood in it. There's not even really None. like any like conspicuous violence or anything. Like it's 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 like I would almost show this to my five year old. Honestly, it's not it's not really that bad. Like it's a little scary, but it's it's pretty I, low I key. But a, you feel like it. You feel like it's dangerous. Exactly. I I have a a litmus test that I give to movies, trying to determine whether they're good or bad, and I I call it the rift tracks test. Hmm. If you put a rift tracks over a movie. And it's funnier, it's bad. And if you if you put it over and it's not funnier, it's probably a good movie. If it's if it kind of makes you angry and you feel like it misses the point, then it's a movie that's bad, but you don't give a shit because it's good. <laughs> and I think that's what we what we have here. It's like this movie makes makes no pretense at being Shakespeare. <laughs> and nobody wanted it to be and like what it tried to be it did very well even though it's it's one of the goofiest things i've watched in a long time and and i'm glad it is yeah i i think it, i think it does that by you know taking and this this is going to sound goofy but it takes the game's mortal combat seriously and like puts it on the screen like the costumes are nearly identical to what's in the games and you know and what watching it again this time I was comparing it to like Marvel where it's like uh, the costumes are definitely like, oh, well, we're sorry. They're superhero costumes. So here it's all like leather and like, you know, Kevlar and stuff like that, rather than like, uh, you know, the Sub-Zero or the Scorpion costumes, which are just like, you know, day glow blue and yellow like the games were. Um, And, you know, I I found that really uh, refreshing where it wasn't like, um, you know, apologizing for being based on kids media. It was uh, uh, or, or, you know, it's it's just straight ahead, like just goofy fun. Yeah, it, it even commits even further than that, actually. Like, it references a ton of specific moves and even the way that different characters walk in the games. Like, did, did, did you catch how how weird Sub-Zero looks walking down the stairs? He's doing this weird, like, I, I don't even know how to describe it. It's kind of like like the Cornholio pose where he's his arms are, like, out to the side and he's, like, walking in this very, like, almost like, like he's afraid that he's going to fall through the floor. And that's how the character's walk in the game for whatever reason um or even like like the way that that a lot of the shots are framed is from that like side on oh, profile yeah. view that looks like a scene from the game so yeah exactly like they're they're just like okay we're just going to make it like the game and critically they don't care if you understand the reference or not nobody stops and is like for for instance Raiden like the character of Raiden played by uh, Christopher Lambert or Christophe Lambert, it, mm, depending yes. on no, what, noted, whether or not you're French. Noted, Japanese, noted Japanese man. Yes. yes. Noted, <laughs> noted Japanese uh, mythological figure. Um, he He's kind of like the comedy relief, which, which is, which is strange. Um, but like, he doesn't, he, he doesn't go so far as to comment on the, the meta fact that it is a game movie like when somebody calls out like scorpion when scorpion shows up nobody stops and is like did did anybody else hear that or was it just me it it doesn't go that far it jokes about the fact that the games are a bit silly the games joke about the fact that the games are a bit silly (laughs) somebody already said toasty when you uppercut somebody who's jumping down on you a head pops out from the side of the screen and goes toasty like Mm -hmm. they're they're not 
They're not like like a po-faced, extremely serious game. And so they joke around in the same way that the games do. But yeah, like like Chris said, they commit to being the game. They're like, all right, if you don't understand that, too bad. Mm-hmm. Yes. So uh, two things I want to say. First, in my Magic the Gathering group, when when all of this was going on, was the guy who was the body model for Sub-Zero and Scorpion. Really? Yep. Interesting. Random fact, but Whoa. you know, here you are. The other thing is like it sounds like there's a there's a similar ex- experience that we all had, which was we came at this through the game. So who was your guy? Who do, who'd you play, guys? Sub-Zero all the way. Nice. I was I, always fascinated by the cold like dudes with cold powers. That was always my I don't know. <laughs> I was I would I played Scorpion because it always frustrated the shit out of people when I yanked yes. them across screen. <laughs> Scorpion uh, I, Scorpion Team Scorpion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh I played Raiden um because he has like like he has that super cheap like full screen length like dash move oh. that just hits people and shoves them around and he could also they, do that weird like teleport dodge. It was very annoying. <laughs> I, that is very cool, but also I, I never played him, and it's going to be the silliest reason why. The um, the Raiden that shows up in the movie looks much cooler uh, if uh, a generic robe guy, um, you know, if because he's generic robe guy. In the game, uh, he basically looked like he was wearing either a Walmart or a Kmart uh, apron. <laughs> Yes, and and like a straw hat, I believe. Yes, yes, yeah. he had the the, yeah. the wide brimmed hat. I, I mean, but then, you, like you did, you did uh, big trouble in Little China recently, and it's very it's very obvious in the game that they saw Big Trouble in Little China and were like, "Oh, cool, this guy." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're it, gonna do that guy. Yeah, even down to the lightning and everything. Mm-hmm. It's the Dalzim effect. Like Dalzim was an incredibly effective character in Street Fighter, but you didn't want to play him because he was this this weird caricature of an Indian man, and even in 1995, that felt off. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I wasn't gonna let. I was gonna. I was gonna trust Capcom to get me through this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I did want to point out. Uh, speaking of the video game. Um, I was trying to remember because at least in my experience, I didn't notice or perhaps the games, the other games didn't come out, but I believe there was a bunch of games that were similar that led up to the success of uh, Mortal Kombat. Um, They took the cake. Uh, I mean, as it stands right now, what is it? Mortal Kombat has 11 iterations. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. It's now moved successfully to to consoles. Um, and you know, stuff like, uh, primal rage, which I thought came afterwards, uh, has, uh, and, and time killers, uh, Hmm. are two very violent, weird, gross games with different themes. Like, uh, primal rage was like these dinosaur or prehistoric creatures. Oh, you remember that? That is unlocking um, doors in my head. Yes. What about Tekken? Do you remember Tekken? Well, Tekken one was really blocky and weird, but after that, like the arcade of Tekken two was great. And three was, wait, three was Eddie Gordo, right? Yeah, I think so. Fuck. Man. After, after three was like, fuck that. Anyone could just, uh, I'm going to play Eddie Gordo and beat your ass just by mashing buttons. It's like, no, but that's not how you play it. <laughs> so point of order re- real quick. Um, 
Mortal Kombat did come before Time Killers uh, and Primal Rage, definitely before Primal Rage by by a few years. Was um, it? it came at yeah the 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 first Mortal Kombat was I believe ninety two. Uh, Street Fighter Two was ninety one, so that predates it slightly. Um, the the big antecedent um, to Mortal Kombat, which even has a similar art style, is is a, a game called Pit Fighter, uh, mm. which similarly had ah, that, yes. that 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 like that like picture capture, but it really only had like three characters, and it was just like you're in a bar and there's like a big bald guy, and you can punch like a little guy, or I think there's a lady. I think there's like one lady, there's one skinny guy, and then there's one like heavy set bald guy. Um, and, and there there were other fighters, but in the U.S., I think those are probably the the two that were best known for for predating. I, I could be mistaken about Time Killers, but I believe that that also. No, came no, later. you're you're actually correct. I am misremembering this, or I thought I'd looked it up, but no, no, you're right. It it was ninety two, I believe. Time Killers was uh more or less either the same the same year. I would yeah, have guessed 93 well. or 94. Okay, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Pit, yeah, so Pit Fighter was 90, 91, and they actually had it at my school. So I, oh. I played at your a school. Bit. <laughs> yeah, heavens to Betsy. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it, it's not like I majored in it. I'm just saying, Rough like, the commons. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I remember Pit Fighter. You, you just that—that that is another door that opened in my brain. Um, but yeah, I, I think that uh, Mortal Kombat's um, the 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 motion capture uh, stuff that they managed uh, was much better. Like it was a step up from Pit Fighter. To, Pit to be Fighter. clear, it's it's really not motion capture. It's literally like they took a photo and they just cropped out around the yeah, photo. You're absolutely I correct. I, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I'm I'm just talking out my ass. I don't know what the actual. <laughs> What is motion capture? I don't care. So, so, so what? I, I mean, what's funny is that, like, you have to remember. Um, so, I mean, Pete Pete mentioned like the body models for for Mortal Kombat. Like, they literally had people dress up like the characters to take pictures of them doing like kicks and punches and stuff. <laughs> and mm-hmm. like, just just imagine being one of those people, and they're like, "We we want you to wear this day glow blue." ninja costume and wave your arms around and we'll take pictures and you're going to be in some kind of a video game and nobody cares about video games at yeah. this point people would like like adults would have mostly been like oh uh, like like pac-man yes like like pac-man <laughs> and then you see it and you see yourself ripping somebody's head out and their spine flopping around uh beneath them so it's a it's a different cultural context and and it's interesting because to, to get back to the movie Adults wouldn't really have known or cared what this was, except for the most part, as like a social hazard. Like, yes, if, right. If you yeah. if if something like Mortal Kombat got covered in the media, it was as like there's this thing, you know, polluting our youth. It was a, a much the same way as like Pogs. Like it was it was a social hazard that mm-hmm. kids were encountering in this rise of youth culture, which is really, I mean. Like modern youth culture really developed around the same time. Like that, this idea of that, like Nickelodeon style kids versus adults really came to fruition, like mid to late eighties into early nineties. And, and, and this stuff is part and parcel to it. And so it's almost like, it's almost like a secret code that very few adults can understand, but kids know exactly what it's, what it's about. And so like, maybe you can talk your parents into letting you go see the mortal combat spelled with a K. And it's like, don't worry, mom. I know how combat is really spelled. <laughs> Wasn't was this one of the games that came up with the whole Tipper Gore incident? 
I think this, this came after. But did it come I, after? Yeah, I mean, it's it, but it's definitely in the right area because I, I mean, uh, NWA I mean, I, was in the the early '90s, and this was like the mid. I mean, I definitely remember this came out in like in news, like people like you know, as as Kurt's saying, you know, like you know, monocles popped out, you know, pearls were clutched. <laughs> Yeah, Chick tracks in, were written. Yes. <laughs> you know, uh, honestly, people were really, oh, this is so violent. And you're like, oh, 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 I've seen Robocop already. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, yeah. I, I mean, I mean, games, games didn't, didn't really look like that for the most part. Like the graphics weren't high fidelity enough that you really care. I mean, Doom and Wolfenstein 3D upset people. And that was, you mm. know, five or six years earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess I, I guess Doom was probably only a, about a year, maybe a year or two early. I think Doom was like 1990. I'm probably gonna gonna, gonna totally botch that, but um, but but yeah, and like pe- people got upset about that, and that was like like a red blob. It was like, oh, it's blood. If you if you really squint, it kind of looks like blood. Whereas like again, this had like you know spines flopping around and and people holding up you know still beating hearts, and it, it, it kind of looked like it. So it was just it was something that that hadn't previously been in arcades um and and up until that point you know people were a little bit worried about arcades but it it wasn't like it 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 wasn't like oh i'm dropping my 11 year old off at the arcade with two dollars and quarters um while i go to well while i go shopping um and i'm gonna come back and they've seen somebody's spine get pulled out like yeah. <laughs> well I, I mean do you remember the the er or ESRB, um, like I, I think that was in response to games like Mortal Kombat, where where it was like a self, you know, the You're games right. industry, self, yeah, a games industry like self policing, like the MPAA developing the rating system to avoid any sort of like government censorship. They, you know, the, the game companies kind of got together and say, all right, well, let's let's slap a you know a, a number on the the box cover, and then that will you know put the fig leaf on it to say, hey, listen, it's up to the parents now. Um, so I, yeah, so I think Mortal Kombat was the one that kind of like helped, or at least helped get to that point, point. Uh, and so that's why we're like the movie being relatively bloodless, or not relatively, absolutely bloodless, uh, is very strange because it's like you would think they would want that uh, sense of like because I, 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 you know, I was I was ten years old in ninety five when the movie came out, so I would have been like uh, you know a little bit younger playing the game, and I definitely felt like I was getting away with playing Mortal Kombat either at my place on my Genesis or or you know at a friend's house, and um, uh, like so like see how if the movie would have been gone the way and gotten the r rating or something like that then it definitely would have been like oh you know somebody would have smuggled in the vhs and that would have been like the highlight but i mean it still was but like i think the lack of blood was definitely noticed okay i you all keep saying there's no blood but i remember distinctly that shang sung bit his lip oh yes (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah there's there, there are a couple little touches of of blood, but but like as an example, spoiler alert: Shang Tsung falls in a big spike that comes out of the ground in the shape of the Mortal Kombat logo, which yes. which bursts through the floor. It must be really expensive to reset like the tiling each time that they do that. Um, but but there's there's no blood. He gets impaled in a spike, and he's just like uh, and just kind of like falls over. <laughs> oh my god, that's true. I didn't Although, think he, of that. He does turn into a corpse, which looked that, pretty that's cool. True, that's true. Well, he, yeah. he turns, a, a he turns into corpse. Eddie. 
Yes. Yeah. 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 Iron Maiden. Yes, and, he did. And uh, I'm, I'm going to guess that his last words are, I should have retracted the spikes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know. I mean, there's there's no handrail there. It's really not safe. Um, yeah, well, OSHA would have had a field day. So, so it, to, is not, it is not up to spec. To, to Chris's point, though, um, I definitely felt like I was getting away with something watching this. And I, I think for me, part of it is that the movie creates this sense of like it's it's not tension exactly it's like momentum and the way that it's edited together it's jumping around it feels like you're seeing this non-stop barrage of hits even mm-hmm. though you're really not seeing a whole lot it's om- it's almost like the editing style that would later come to prominence with like the born movies um, right. Where it's a lot of quick cuts, but it's it's a little bit different here because they're quick cuts of people actually do, like it's, it's actual quick cuts of like martial artists doing moves. So the the cuts are not to obscure the hits, but to make them feel like they're coming very quickly. And like mm-hmm. like a, a, a great example is when Liu Kang does the bicycle kick where he like flies across the room and is mm-hmm. just going like like kicking and kicking and kicking and kicking. It's cut like from all these different angles, like very quickly jumping between like four or five different camera shots of him flying across the room. Um and and you see him kicking uh uh who, who is well, it's reptile at that point. That's right. Yes. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. He's kicking reptile in the chest over and over and over again. And it feels brutal, even though, again, like you're really not seeing anything terribly violent. It just kind of looks like, like, you know, like, like martial arts. And the, the, the other thing is like the martial arts in this movie looks more like actual martial arts than a lot of like later um, films along this would look like. Like they're, they're not, it's not really sped up looking. It's, it's kind of like, they're just kind of like doing actual martial arts moves. They're doing like flips and, and throws and stuff. Um, but again, like it feels transgressive and it even pulls in like, to, to me being like 12 or 13, hearing Fear Factory, I'm like, what is this music? This dark, terrifying music that's scaring me and will probably scare my parents. <laughs> it feels like I am ascending into teenagerhood as I watch it, even though, again, it's like you're really not. It's uh, like like if a parent sat down and critically evaluated this, they'd be like, OK, this isn't really that bad. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, and, and, and to be fair, like I, I rewatched this, uh, recently before, before this rewatch, uh, with my spouse and she was just like sitting there and she'd never seen it before in her life. And she came away going like, I'm watching this for what reason again? <laughs> <laughs> because it's it sort of, it, it, we've moved on from that type of, the type of movie making, you know, and it's really funny. You know, uh, just having that experience be like, no, oh, this is really cool, isn't it? And she's like, why? <laughs> did did anybody else find some suspension of disbelief problems when you were looking at the body models? Like, like uh, Liu Kang is a convincing martial artist. Red Sonya, or I'm sorry, it's not Red Sonya, is it? <laughs> <laughs> Different series, Pete. Sorry. But- Sonya Blade. Thank you. Sonya Blade. <laughs> Sonya Blade is not convincing. I mean, she does. She doesn't look like she's she's uh, you know kickboxing eight hours a day like no, some of the and, other people are. And she she is not. So so she was. Um, interestingly, she was originally supposed to be played by Cameron Diaz. Oh. Um, and huh. uh, the 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 woman. I think her name is Brigitte Wilson. I think mm-hmm. who wound up yes. playing. Um, Sonia Blade was a, uh, I believe she was like, like a Miss Teen, uh, USA 
com- competitor or or winner. Um, I don't believe that she was like a competitive martial artist before then. I I believe that. Um, I mean the 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 guy who plays. Um, I, I'm totally blanking. Uh, uh, Liu Kang. Thank you. Sorry. Um, is uh is like absolutely like like a martial artist. The guy who mm-hmm. plays Johnny Cage clearly knows martial arts. I think that she probably had to train for the film, but she does. She she did do her own stunts. Um, but but I agree. Like compared to the others, she doesn't she doesn't look as much the part of like a martial artist. Like mm-hmm. the way that someone cast in that role would they, they would probably go out of their way to like you know like beef them up and and try to make them look like super buff. Yeah, um, well, I I, I, I cannot. I, I can't watch her and not see Veronica Vaughn from uh, Billy Madison. Uh, <laughs> so that was, that was That's strange. awesome. Yeah. Well, I, I, I do want to point out that um, I was noticing the editing for another of the fighters, which is uh, Talisa Soto, who plays Princess Kitana. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, it looks like she was coached on how to, I'm, I'm sure that she's, she never really studied martial arts. Uh, she was like a, a model and an act, an actor before that. Um, but you know, like you notice that she, she's going through these motions, even though she's loudly, you know, <laughs> giving hints as to <laughs> the cheat code in the next, uh, stage of the game to, uh, Liu Kang. Um, <laughs> It does look very much like, you know, sort of a slowed, a slightly slowed down version of what, you know, a, a fight would look like. Uh, and they edit it so that it looks a little faster, uh, for sure. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, to your point, uh, Kurt, the, the, especially the sequence where he does do his, uh, was it shadow kick? Was that the name of the, I forget. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the funny thing is that the, he, there is a, a quick cut, which has him kicking straight at the camera and then all around as well. Like, so it looks much more sort of like, Oh wow. Jesus Christ. This guy's getting, <laughs> this guy's getting hammered. Right. Uh, so it's great. I mean, it, it is to your point. I think it's, it's well, uh, it's well edited and it's not to hide the fact that uh, this is all CGI or, or the actors don't know how to fight or they're mm. doing it against screen screen or whatever. It, this is, you know, happening on a set somewhere and it's physical, you know, it's physically happening. Right. And uh, honestly, even, I mean, you know, even the, the, the less martial arts oriented performers like, um, like uh, Brigitte w- Wilson, um, like they do, they they show a lot more than they would in a lot of modern, you know, lowish budget martial arts films like this, where where if they had someone who really didn't have martial arts training, like they show her getting kicked around by Kano, it it, it, it looks and feels like okay, yes, like she's getting her ass kicked um, yeah. until yeah. until she you know like snaps his neck um, and says like like a great little one liner, and and so like they they don't. It's it feels like again to that point about like it's bloodless, but it doesn't feel as if it is without consequences, even though it is. But they're they're they make very effective use of like foley sounds and like slow motion where it feels like things are happening in in the same way as like like an eighties schlock, you know, American kung fu type film. Like you don't you're not really seeing anything, but like it feel it has like like a physicality to it that as as the viewer feels as if like things are happening, like something bad just happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And I, while like so 
some of the fighting pales in comparison to I, I've been on a Jackie Chan kick lately. So it's like going from like the, the, oh, the I see the, what you did there. Yeah, <laughs> the the apex pinnacle of like um you know fighting and physical yeah, just physical performance on screen to uh you know some some uh Hollywood actors and you know rolling around on mats in, in a, it, you know, in Thailand or whatever, it's, but it's following up, following up a porterhouse steak with some pork rinds. Is exactly. What it is. Yeah. Now, but I'll tell you what, both of them are tasty. I will say yes. that. Uh, but there are some like really good, um, standout, uh, scenes. I think, uh, I really, really enjoyed the fight between Scorpion and Johnny Cage. Yes. Uh, when yes. some, when they went to the hell world, like, uh, like, uh, I think, uh, Carlos said it earlier, they went to the hell world. Uh, that part was awesome. And then, uh, Scorpion gets the, the skull head. It, it, it almost turned into like evil dead at that point. Like, Cause it was, <laughs> it does. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. Cause it's, it was like all like puppetry and like, um, you know, and Johnny Cage is jumping around on those platforms that, that, that was just like genuinely exciting. And you know, like, it, it wasn't like scoring on a curve. It was genuinely fun and exciting. And it's, and it's interesting because like the, the investment in that is really not super intense. Like they, like they built, uh, they built a set with like a couple platforms that are walkable, a bunch of like greebles all over everything they put some nets and some bone stuff all over things and, and they lit it all with like yellow lights and smoke mm-hmm. um and like you could probably shoot that scene yourself if you knew two guys who knew martial arts pretty well you know for twenty thousand dollars or something like it's not well, it it doesn't uh, require you know eight months of post-production and a bunch of cgi and stuff it's it, it, well up <laughs> Up until you tell one to behead the other, I think. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, that actually happened. They went through many scorpions. Um, really sad. Uh, yeah, so yeah very, no, yeah. Very tragic tale. True, true. Up until the, like, the like Ray Harryhausen uh, conclusion. <laughs> I, I was just, like, thinking to myself, like, wait, so his own blood is... Okay, I'm not going to think about this. <laughs> I, I did think... So, so to the point of... Um, again, it's hard to talk about the plot of this film because... It spends about 20 minutes initially with a plot, and then it's like, we're just going to develop the plot by having people fight each other. Mm-hmm. And um, afterwards, like Raiden or Shang Tsung will, will say a few lines explaining what the significance of, of what just happened was. Um, did you all notice, like, th- there's a wipe from... Liu Kang and Sonya fighting on the beach to all of a sudden, completely unexplained, Johnny Cage is walking in a bamboo grove <laughs> and yeah. Scorpion just, it's like, what, why is he there? Why is everybody else on the beach fighting? He just, and I worried about that for about 10 seconds. And then I was like, oh, this is a great scene. This is awesome. They're fighting yeah. and stuff. And there's like, he's throwing the spear. Hooray. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I mean, this is a, a, a I mean, honestly, uh, they do establish that, uh, that Johnny Cage is just like, gets lost easily so you're like eh it's okay (laughs) he's like walking in the forest they told him to get to the beach and he's like the beach is over there i'm sure yeah sure um so you know but yeah that 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 whole fight is really great um and it follows like you said it follows does it follow right after sonya uh makes short work of kano i believe it literally cuts directly from the Kano, like it literally just does like a Star Wars style, like screen wipe, I believe, from the Kano <laughs> fight directly to Johnny Cage encountering Scorpion. Right, right. So, I mean, the the thing is that um, if we can jump back to the beginning real quick, this is, uh, I did want to comment that um, they do a great job of introducing each of the three main characters uh, in quick succession 
in mm. very short scenes and you get just enough to get them to that stupid dragon, <laughs> the haunted dragon boat yeah. <laughs> just pulls into the harbor and you're like, I'm going to get on here. Okay. It's <laughs> a very like Scooby-Doo type, 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 yes. track, like haunted yeah. ghost yes. boat too. Yes. Complete I mean, with I'm, like fog machine uh, I'm expecting, effects. Yeah. I'm expecting like one of the pirates from the, uh, the Venture Brothers <laughs> piloting them. Um, so, did, so, uh, did the Sonya scene freak you guys out for her intro? Like she's walking through a nightclub to get to the bad guy and proceeds to like beat the shit out of random dancers. Oh, yeah. Yes. Until she gets to the front and then there's a gunfight and nobody dancing cares. Well, and, and she's like some sort of American uh, law enforcement officer. I wasn't sure what like what branch or, or office, but uh, she's in Hong Kong. So it's like you are way out of your jurisdiction. Like <laughs> clearly CIA. I want to say she might be Interpol or something. A lot of these video game type like backstory plots would just be like oh yeah they're part of interpol international oh. police they're police that can go anywhere oh it's like, like okay in, cool solved like in the street fighter movie they're like the un or whatever yeah <laughs> so so i was gonna i was gonna say that this is just the, the blade intro but actually blade may have stolen from this <laughs> because <laughs> it's just like yeah just like i was just like sitting there going like so you're just gonna shoot a, a machine gun at sonia who's Standing with her back to the crowd. Okay, you're the bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I guess- I mean, it's it's a bad guy nightclub. It's it's only it's <laughs> that was that, that was actually like 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 henchman night where henchmen drink, you know, half price. <laughs> to, they they get they get ha- henchman happy hour. <laughs> but yeah, uh so then you get that you get the really good fake out scene with uh Johnny Cage. Uh being faced by four guys at the same time. And each one pulls out like a different weapon, like a baton and a cattle prod and yada, yada, yada. And then, you know, you get the great, the great line that is actually paid off later, which is uh, the, the last stunt man uh, or the last person. You don't know that they're stunt men just yet uh, to like get a punch or a sweep or whatever. And he, you know, Johnny Cage looks at him and like, this is where you fall down. <laughs> and then the guy like makes him just like flops like he's on a ba- basketball team you know it's like oh! <laughs> and um and so you know that that sort of sets up really well like what Johnny Cage is about because this is a 90s movie and Johnny Cage is he's he's being he's he's fake all the tabloids like all the martial arts paparazzi are convinced that Johnny Cage is fake <laughs> and not only is is that the case? But Johnny Cage is very, very concerned mm-hmm. that his image is that he's fake. Yeah. So you know he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to. He's sold out, but he's he's authentic, dudes. I mean, well, you, I, I, you know why that is, right? Like, like <laughs> J- J- Johnny Cage is specifically based on Jean Claude Van Damme, just like Liu Kang is specifically based on uh, Bruce Lee. Um, I and I'm not see sure who Sonya Blade Blade is, is is based off of specifically. I'm I'm not sure about that, but but like they originally. Oh, um, Sonya Blade is based on. Uh, that's right, uh, Cynthia Rock. Cynthia Rock Rock. Yes, yeah. Okay. So so like like these were very much like like uh, serial numbers filed off versions of you know martial artists from the real world, uh, and so in that in that context, it kind of makes sense that he's he's you know. Uh, Sean Claude Van Damme, sort of. I don't know. <laughs> so, so who's who's Prince Goro based off of? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's actually sadly, sadly, it is. Uh, 
Oh shit! What is his name? God damn it! Ta- uh, oh. Walker, Texas Ranger. Uh, oh, Chuck Norris. Oh, Chuck Norris. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I was going to mention that uh, the the least martial arts training uh, character is the puppet of Goro. So, uh, which I thought worked really well. It's a terrific oh, puppet. It's so it's good. Great. It's yeah. so good. Like, he, I, he's I, he's emotive, and like you actually see him fighting, and like. <laughs> When he gets kicked well, in the nuts, his eyes dilate. Like <laughs> so great. I mean, also they they speaking to Kurt's uh, edits and cuts and whatnot. They do do that um, that uh, that establishing like fight with uh, poor uh, poor dude <laughs> Jay, whatever his name is, Jay Deadmeat. Oh. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and the camera's always like over Jay, just like dominating him. And mm. you, you get the, you get the sense just through the, the camera work that, yeah, he's, he's not long for this world, <laughs> you know? So it's not a big surprise when he loses. And then, uh, Shang Tsung uh, also Shang Tsung has many orifices, uh, apparently that he can suck souls through. Uh, oh, his, his, it goes through his eyes at his one point. palms, his eyelid. You know, I like was his, afraid his of where this was going. I won't lie. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we didn't we didn't explore all of them. So, and that's perhaps thankful. We're thankful for that. Uh, but yeah, I, I I did like that. Uh, it it sort of brings everyone together really quickly, and then you get to that Scooby Doo boat, and hmm. that's it. Yeah, you know, and oh, and then yeah. exposition happens. So you have exposition by Raiden and then some exposition by Shang Tsung. So I mean, g- given that this is a uh, a a, uh, I'm I'm trying to remember what the official tagline of the podcast is, but but effectively a genre fiction podcast. I wanted to ask the question of you know is a is this is this genre fiction and how would you how would you categorize it is this like can can a movie can can fiction like this even exist outside of a film like is there is this something that can that could exist as a book as a comic book like like what like how does this fit into the tradition of you know genre films or genre fiction in in general because i've been puzzling over this all night and i don't have a great answer have you ever well, read a fighting comic Yes, I have read a fighting comic, and fighting comics, I, I I think probably do work for something like this because it's it's very art based, and you can have like the special attacks and stuff, and and yeah, it has it has that like aesthetic visual quality to it that that can carry it. Yeah, I, th- yeah. I think I think nowadays you could probably do this as some sort of lit RPG or something, which are I mean I I don't I don't enjoy them, um, <laughs> I don't enjoy them myself, but. Uh, they're out there. You could probably do that that way as well. Um, I mean, if you didn't want to do like a full on, like take it, take it seriously and make it a novel of some sort that is very pulpy. I, I, I feel like I'm not perfectly engaging with Kurt's question here. And um, part of it is because it's a hard question and and I'm (laughs) off work, but uh, um, one of the the most true answer I can give, and I, I know it's one you agree with, is that um, a lot of these divisions are, are created to sort shelves and to market. Mm. And so while while I'll tr- I, I'll continue to try and answer the question more seriously, like the easy out is like they'll put this in a category if it'll sell on the shelves. They would call it science fiction. They'd call it fantasy. They'd right. do whatever they want because that's what they always do. 
I mean, if this were a genre, it's it's obviously a subgenre. I would probably uh, categorize it as a sort of weird perhaps, fiction. <laughs> <laughs> I wish <laughs> this the strange case of of uh, Charles Dexter Liu Kang. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've been taken over by my kung fu fighting ancestor somehow. Um, but I mean, uh, honestly, this would be something of a sort of. Uh, an Americanized, I mean, this is basically an Americanized sort of, I, I want to call it like almost wuxia, but it's not even that really. It's, yeah. there, there's too, like, I think wuxia is too stylized. Um, I could make a case for Penny Dreadfuls. I mean, you know, those were very focused on giving fan service to individual characters that people like very much. And so, I mean, just having these guys fight again and again and never disappear from from book to book. I mean, I think you could make pretty a pretty decent set of Penny Dreadfuls out of them. I, my mind goes to like and, and I, I know you mentioned comics, but I'm thinking specifically like manga, like Dragon Ball or. Yeah. Um, yeah, like or like just kind of just, you know, because it, it's obviously, you know, influenced by um, Asian media. Um, so, you know, something like that or even like, um, you know, the antecedent of basically almost all Kung Fu is, is as far as I could tell is like that journey to the West with the the, mm-hmm. the Monkey King and things like that, um, where there's like I believe there's like, you know, fighting and special powers and, and, and things along those lines. Yeah, it's I mean, to, to your point about about manga, it's basically a tournament arc that mm-hmm. happens in, in many different mangas. Uh, but that's that's all that it is, and it just happens forever. <laughs> it just keeps <laughs> happening over and over again because the, because because the format of it being primarily a video game means that there has to always be a tournament because that's that's what the game is, and that right. that to me is the interesting thing is that it is it is a piece of fiction that has to be assembled from. Uh, something that kind of resists being turned into something that it isn't. Like it's, it is a video game, and it is a video game movie. Not just in the sense of being a movie adapted from a video game, but a movie that has to function almost like a video game, where there are a series of fights. You follow the main characters through it, and there's really not much more plot than you would have in a video game. And that is very different from the way that something like this would exist nowadays, where they would try to make a full movie out of it with plot and characterization that, that isn't essential when it's like you as the player, your goal is to beat up the other guy by pushing buttons, you know, and like story happens around the edges if, if possible. Yeah. I mean, in, in, if it were, if it were made today, like think of how, insufferable if they are making and, they are yeah. making it today well, no, no. we will know I mean, <laughs> shortly we will know it's gonna be dropped but, on but, hbo max real soon but but let me let me put it to you this way imagine how insufferable this would be if if marvel had taken over the property <sighs> you would get at least three or four different uh origin story movies out of each of these characters oh and my then god finally it, the infinity war event would just be them going to outworld <laughs> could you imagine this this is like we would get the, the fucking outworld tournament see like the the tournament would happen like 17 movies in mm. because we we need to establish everything and it's like jesus christ can we not do xeno's paradox for storytelling i don't <laughs> yeah. care you know there is one franchise that i do want marvel to do they like in fact i dare them to do it and that is one punch man i i can see that <laughs> I don't want it, but I can see it. 
Yeah, well, I just the like the the whole thing is a rebuke to that style of storytelling, mm-hmm. and like, how would they? I I don't. I think they would choose not to be conscious of it. Mm. So I don't know. I, I I have a really weird take um, for for this, which which is that um, okay, we don't do okay, those this here. Is, this is this is a really bad take. So I, I'm just gonna let you know. I'm going like I'm, <laughs> I'm wily coyoting my, my, myself. I'm walking off the cliff Whoa. and like floating out o- over over the air. Don't um, look down. The thing that this reminds me of the most, if I had to tie it to a a typical piece of genre fiction, is the Chronicles of Amber. By which yes. I mean, it is uh, a metafiction that pulls elements from all these different things because you have like cyborg characters. Um, there's a what, what's his name? Uh, Benedict is that is that the cyborg in um, who has like the metal cyborg arm? Yeah, yeah, in Chronicles that's of Amber. Um, you have like ninja type stuff coming in, which is very Zelazny. You have you, um, it's 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 drawing from all different bits of media. And smashing them all together into this weird metafictional hole, um, where just like a bunch of stuff can play out, and it could it could pull from any different. It could pull from horror. You could have like like a walking skeleton. You could have a, you could presumably have a cowboy. You could have cyborgs. You could have robots. Uh, in the later Mortal Kombat films, you have all sorts of random stuff, and it it functions essentially as like a mashup. Metafiction. So again, I, I, I'm, I'm way, I'm way out here with this take, but that's no, the no, only no. thing I can Kurt, think of. Kurt, you know, you beat me to it. I, 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 I had that thought flit through my brain, uh, perhaps a couple minutes before you, you, you mentioned it. But I agree with you completely. Like Outworld is, in fact, like the, like Amber, like the, the Shadow Worlds, right? Mm-hmm. And there's infinite Shadow Worlds where all these tournaments happen. And, uh, and of course, like to your point regarding like, oh, you're going to mash all these things together, but you know what? I'm going to give you like this, this er lore that mm-hmm. binds it all together because all of this means something. And it's because of this and Mortal Kombat has a very sort of, sort of dumb answer that works perfectly fine because it's. It's fine. It doesn't like Mortal Kombat is the 1995 movie is not trying to be like anything other than exactly what it is, which is Mm a one shot, uh, up until that point, Annihilation was somewhat miserable, but that's another story. Um, but up until that point, it was just a one shot movie that they were just going to make and it was going to tie it all together and it's going to be, they win. And they leave it open at the end because, as you said, it can't ever end. So at the end, the, you get the, the scene, spoilers for the end of Mortal <laughs> Kombat, just in case you've not seen it ever. Uh, you get the scene where all the kids are wa- running past them with streamers in hand and Raiden's like there to welcome while, them. Well, Halcyon like, by Orbital. <laughs> yes. I Before love that hackers, fucking song. What's that? I believe before hackers used it too. I, oh I, yes, I, I believe. I believe so. I'm writing uh, the copy for this in my head right now. In this episode, we have Chris and Kurt, and we go to Pete's field of sacred cows and go cow tipping. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah! Um, and then 
don't forget that at the end, they're like, oh, we saved the world. I, I knew you could do it, Raiden says to all of them. And then suddenly the, <laughs> the temple crumbles and yeah. like a ghostly, gigantic form, monstrous, like Eddie with a gigantic uh, Steppenwolf helmet on <laughs> shows up and I'm the emperor. I'm going to beat you up. And they're like, <laughs> they they all line up and square off. And it's, yeah, that's credits roll. Bye. Yeah. We yep. made an easy million. <laughs> Uh, it's, yeah, it's so I, good. I, I I think we we'd be remiss if not pointing out that this was um, Paul W S Anderson was the director. Yes, uh, I have and, things to say about that too. Okay, yeah, because he, you know, in this era where uh, or at least you know people seemingly on film Twitter are rehabbing a lot of these like '90s blockbuster, um, you know, B and C list directors under the like the the uh, the the aegis of uh, vulgar altruism. I, I Paul W S Anderson is kind of sneaking in there as well. Um, there's some people I see going to bat for some of the Resident Evil games. Uh, I have yet to see anybody like fully embrace this with the full vulgar altruism uh, uh, label. Uh, I will the, say the that Leslie from Struggle Session has made this point. I I, I forget if it was Jack or or Leslie um, pointed out. I mean, he did Event Horizon. Yes, um, he did. is. He is our most covered director here at Parsec. <laughs> <laughs> Mortal Kombat, Event Horizon, and Pandorum. Three Isaac films. W S Asimov. <laughs> no. Oh my I mean, god. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, there's something to it, right? Like, there's, there is a, there is a stupid honesty to a film mm-hmm. like this that makes him ideal to also make a film like Event Horizon, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yes. where it's just like, I am just going to believe 100% in this idea, whatever the idea is. I'm just going to do it as hard as I possibly can. And if that's Mortal Kombat, you wind up with a film that's like, I am going to treat the Mortal Kombat games like a sacred text. Mm-hmm. And if somebody does a, a weird bicycle kick across the screen in the game, then they're going to do it in the film. Or it can also be like, this is a movie about a hell ship and they go to hell and there's going to be hell stuff and like blood's going to come out of people's eyes and, and we're going to do all this weird stuff. Like it, it, it is, it is in its own way, a sort of like, like very naive autorism where mm-hmm. it's just like, I'm just going to do this thing as hard as I can and screw everything else. It's almost in the same way that like the Riddick movies work for me. They have, they have no self-awareness about what type of movie they are. They know what they're about and they're just going to be about that and they're going to go and do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And- it's you, kind of hard to not like Paul Paul W S Anderson now because he's he's spent like what the last twenty years just making movies with his wife. How like how <laughs> how how sweet is that? That's just you're right. He yes, he manages to to, to like cast her to everything. And it's like okay, cool. I was just watching. Um, apparently there's a 2011 uh, Paul D Paul W W S Anderson version of the Three Musketeers. With of course Mila Jovovich, <laughs> which musketeer is she? Uh, <laughs> Milady is each of them get title cards like uh, you know like one of those um, like they do a thing and then suddenly it's like you get a freeze frame and they do like a sketch and it shows up like in in like uh, writing like in in calligraphy next to them you know so you know yeah. You get, 
Pothos and Arthos and whatever, blah, blah, blah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it, it, it's, it's ridiculous. I, I watched like the first 10 minutes of it. And I was like, okay, I, I got to keep watching this because this is just ridiculous, but it's fun. I, I can't, how can you fault something where, you know, you get like, uh, all these actors, like really good actors too. Like there's Orlando Bloom is in this and <laughs> I, you know what else just, he made was a uh, soldier, the 1998 film with uh, Kurt Russell. Yes. Uh, and, and, and it's like, it's, it's, he is the ideal direct. He is the a list of the B list when it comes <laughs> nice. to like, like a genre film. Like, like he is, <laughs> he is the best case scenario along with, uh, Gosh, who's the guy? Um, I know that Chris knows because he watches like four movies a day. Who, who's the guy who did uh, Nemesis and uh, um, the other? That would be uh, Albert Pune. Yes, thank you. Yes, he's 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 in that he's in that league. But but like he's the more he's he's the more star power version yes. of that. Where it's like I'm just going to yeah. make the film. It's it, it is what I believe it to be. <laughs> Man, you are a font of takes today. Like I'll, I'll admit, like. I I I didn't like the Amber take, but that doesn't mean you're wrong. It just means that it's it's hard not to take it personally. <laughs> I have to emphasize: I hold Amber in the highest esteem. It is like my second favorite uh, genre series. Um, so so I I do not say this lightly. <laughs> I even like That's the fair. Merlin books. Oh yeah, yeah, me too. I mean, not as much, but they're a lot of fun. Come on, Ghost Wheel is great. Um. <laughs> But yeah, uh, so, okay. So I, I, it's it's sort of irrelevant, but I stumbled across it uh, when we started talking about uh, uh, the director. I pulled up his Wikipedia page to see how many times he's he's set up a movie with his wife, and well, more than five. <laughs> but the weird thing is, like the reception section of his Wikipedia, it has like the ratings of every movie and Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic and what the budgets were and stuff. And then it averages these things. Like, why would you want to know the average of all of his movies? What's the point of that? So I have a, I have some sad news, folks. Uh-oh. Oh no! I just looked up. Uh... Our star performer in this movie, the man who cannot chew. Oh, Kano. yes. Yep, I know this. Um, yeah, so apparently um, he was played by Trevor Goddard, um, who is actually English and not Australian. Like he Really? I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah, he was, was taking accent. the piss. Yeah. Um, and apparently he only lived to the age of 40. He died of a drug overdose. Mm-hmm. Oh, Sadly. Mm, that sucks. Yeah, I mean he's I, so I, great I in this say, too. Yes, he is terrific. He is by far the the best villain in mm-hmm. this. And like, um, I forget his name. Uh, Kari Kara, um, who plays it's Kari, uh, Shang Tsung. Um, you're talking about the Ka- Kari Hiroyuki Tagawa. Yes, he he is terrific. Um, as as Shang Tsung, he's absolutely chewing scenery. But but um, Kano literally chewing the scenery. Yes. Um, and he is the most detestable person. And I love how out of his depth he is. He is just like, he is the ideal villain. He's instantly hateable. You dislike him. <laughs> and he actually, um, I, I believe that for the, the, after this movie came out, they like basically just started making Kano Australian. 
in films because his portrayal was like that. Icon. It was it was perfect. That's um, lovely for the character. And again, the character is very much like a nothing. He's like a he's a crime boss who has a cyborg eye. Um, and that's basically it. It's so good. And apparently he has a chewing disorder or something, you know, it just can't, can't <laughs> possibly like he's chewing scenery, but he does not, he's not able to really do anything he, he, else. He's with not it. chewing scenery with his mouth closed. <laughs> <laughs> he's just doing just gross, disgusting mouth things. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he's great. And, uh, and it, granted, uh, having a punchable face is a good thing in a fighting movie, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're the villain. So that's you know, a when, good point. I mean, if when when Sonya Blade actually just like he's like, oh come on, Sonya, give me a break, and she, <laughs> she says okay, and snaps his neck into uh, doing the Bond girl, uh, the Bond girl thing. Oh, yeah. um, by the way, that know. head faked me because uh, like the uh, the the previous fight was with Liu Kang. And they set up a situation where he didn't actually have to kill his opponent. I'm like, all right, assholes, it's Mortal Kombat. You got it. And then she just like snaps that guy's neck like a carrot. And I'm like, oh, okay. Isn't that strange too? Because when when that Liu Kang scene happened, I assumed, and I I would almost bet money that this was in the script, and they didn't do it for whatever reason. That um that Shang Tsung was going to demand that he finish him. And then Liu Kang was going to refuse because that is such a trope in every like fight to the death sequence Yeah, that, that, I, where it's like, Oh no, I'm not going to kill him. I refuse to do it. And then it turns out that the bad guy kills him anyway. You have no choice. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they just didn't do it. He was just like, nah, I don't really feel like it. And so he eats his soul and it's like, okay, I, I guess. Um, and then, yes, as you say, Sony's just like, nope, I'm fine. I'm fine with this. I don't yeah, like this guy yeah, at all. Yeah. I got this. <laughs> <laughs> so I, there, there is the absolute low, low point of this movie, we have to point out, is the CGI reptile. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> it's I, not I almost, great. It's I, I, I liked when he, like, you know, bonded with the weird skeleton guy and actually came to life and then was like the reptile we all know and love with the the green. He was he was the green palette swap of the of the ninja dudes. Yep. Um, but like the, the CGI was just just not there. He, he looks like um he looks like a uh, Gex the Gecko. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so, oh. so uh, apparently so I I looked it up. Uh, apparently that was not originally in the film. Um, reptile was like not a part of the movie and um, people felt that the end of the movie was a little bit slow. And so they went back and added the CGI reptile and they added in that, that green ninja reptile fight was like, like a post test audiences change. So perhaps that's why. Yeah. What's confusing to me is what's the deal with the statue? Because the, the statue has like a tentacle thing that pulls reptile into it against reptiles will it's very strange yeah that was not like the game at all completely non-canon yeah i mean it's 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 fine because at that point like i i had that same question flip through my head and then the fight sequence started and i was like ah it's outworld the rules are different here. So mm-hmm. i was like everything's yeah, okay, all whatever. shitty and fucked up in outworld it's, it's like a, a bad <laughs> I mean, place 
I, I definitely remember if I'm remembering correctly, like during the, the watch in the theater, like that was definitely like one of those cheer scenes where it's like, yeah, because you get to see the other, like the secret, because remember reptile was yes. a secret character. Right. Right. Um, and, uh, it wasn't part of the initial roster. Um, so yeah, people would just cheer because, oh yeah, that's the, that's the guy I unlocked. <laughs> Which is an interesting aspect of these games that no longer exists is that when somebody went to see this film in the theater, um, there was a there was an assumed cultural knowledge about Mortal Kombat, but it wasn't yet standardized. Right. Like Mm. you might read Electronic Gaming Monthly or Electronic Gaming Monthly 2. (laughs) They had two of them. And, There's just too much, too much game news. Li- I, I mean, literally, yes. Um, and uh, and and so, if you read that, you might have all of the details. If indeed you got the right issue and you read, you know, the the full write up. But things like the existence of reptile, or in later games, the existence of uh, noob sabot or a rain smoke smoke uh, were sorry. Yes, thank you. Um, were kind of like like an urban legend about a video game that was true. And like it was not, there was no way to necessarily verify it. There was no internet to go on. There was no GameFacts.com. You mm-hmm. could call the Nintendo Power Hotline, uh, although this this was not available on on Nintendo, um, and uh, and and find out, you know, like what's the like what are the details, you know, give me all the secrets. Um, but there was an aspect of this that was like schoolyard rumor. And then you would go to the theater and to see it confirmed on screen is an unusual thing that you wouldn't get in today's mass media. Culture. Oh, that's an interesting point. Mm-hmm. You know, there was something else happening in this. Wait, I've, I just stepped on that. And it genuinely was an interesting point. I'd never really thought of that before. But the the there's a, if you'll forgive me, parasocial relationship between <laughs> the movie and the audience that doesn't really exist in the same way now. Yeah, because because if there's a secret in a game, there will be a hundred YouTube videos about it, mm-hmm. and you'll be able like if you Google, you know, I don't know, some game and secrets, you'll find all the stuff. You'll find all the Easter eggs. There'll be a hundred different articles about it, and that that just that just didn't exist. Like there mm-hmm. was no publication apart from the one or two video game publications that were not exhaustive and were mostly only monthly publications that cared enough to reveal secrets in a Mortal Kombat game. Well, and and it goes towards movies as well, because, you know, it, you know, the releasing that movie now, there'd be this big run up of a, like, well, you know, all the clickbait articles of like, well, reptile be in it, will reptile be in it. And uh, so, like, you would be spoiled coming and going in, in today's world. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's not uh, not spo- not that spoilers are, are necessarily to care about, but, you know, like you don't have the sense of discovery necessarily with some of this, the bigger stuff that gets covered by all these um, pop culture sites that are, you know scrounging for whatever they could post. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it, it feels like this is an actual, like what I'm telling, what, what I was describing, it feels like an actual secret that you, that you are now seeing on screen rather than some sort of like pre, pre like a pre-release, yeah. um, a marketing quote, unquote secret. Yeah. Like, like oh, a secret that exists would, to be revealed. This is a secret that you might not discover. You won't ima- you can't imagine the 17 different th- secrets that the next movie will <laughs> reveal and you're like uh. I mean so, I, I, to, to be to be specific I think that the find 
reptile in the original game, I think you had to get flawless victories up until you got to the pit. And then you had to win in the pit with also a flawless. And then I think you would like go down and fight on a secret level and fight reptile. I believe I'm probably wrong about that. Um, Like it was an actual secret and to know that it existed was like social capital. It was, it was, it was actual knowledge that you couldn't find out unless you stumbled upon it. It was it was a mystery that was in the game to discover. Right, right, exactly. I uh, all this talk about like what ha- was happening culturally around these made me remember something, and I had a very funny thought that might actually be true. Like, do you do you guys <laughs> remember the religious makeovers of everything? Like, uh, you know, Madonna would come out with uh, "You Might Be My Lucky Star," and immediately mm-hmm. Christian radio stations would come out with "You Might Be My Sweet Savior" and just map over the voice. And they <laughs> did the same thing with everything. And so I'm wondering if there was a Christian version of Mortal Kombat where like, you know, Solomon was beating the shit out of David <laughs> and, you know, Moses parting the waters as a special power because I really want there to be. That would be I would play the shit out of that. Mortal Moses, Soul Combat. <laughs> soul caliber, actually, right? Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so Moses just uppercuts you with the with the t- the tablets. <laughs> oh god that would be so good I and mean, they all have special powers man it's like you have to kill lazarus like two or three times yeah the holy ghost is a secret character <laughs> <laughs> oh. so i do not believe that there was a christian fighting game at the time there is one now called fight of gods which has poor reviews um but i do not believe that there was one at the time uh, I have to I have to look at this up now. The only wow. thing I can think of is the TV show uh, Bible Man. Um, if anyone is familiar of that, with that, yeah, that, that's much more like Power Rangers, or actually, it's more like it's more like a uh, Nightman. <laughs> actually, honestly, oh is, wow, is what it's much closer to. Um, it, it was basically like like Batman, but he had all um, Christianity themed uh, gear. So he had like the the armor of righteousness and like the shield of Jericho and and so on. Oh, wait, and so is forth. that is that what the the Venture Brothers were making fun of? Yes, yes, it was. Yep. Yes, indeed, it was. Yes, hell yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. It's if I'm not mistaken, the Bible Man was played by the guy who did. Um, he was the friend in Charles in Charge, right? I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh my yeah, god. I, <laughs> yes. Listen, this is just the stuff you soak up when TV Land and you know Nickelodeon and oh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> incredible so we're we're very far away from mortal Kombat now yes so i just want to ask um did did you enjoy the movie and did you think it was good because to me these are two different questions yes and i would i would like to have an answer from 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 each of us uh i'll, I'll go first i enjoyed the fuck out of this movie <laughs> i don't <laughs> think it's good but I enjoyed it nonetheless. <laughs> yeah, I, I really enjoyed the movie. I don't know that I would say it was bad because that has certain connotations. But Lord, it wasn't good. <laughs> yes, yes, it, it definitely enjoyed it. Uh, good for what it was going for, which is, I think, the best thing you can kind of say about some a movie like this. Yeah, I that that pretty much sums up my 
my opinion, which is that it is I I love this movie. To be perfectly honest, the first twenty minutes, there's spots that I could take or leave. Like I, yeah, I feel like sure. I, I feel like if you just cut it to just the fights, you don't lose a whole lot. Like if you cut it to just the fights and the Raiden one-liners, you don't lose anything. Um, and okay, the- I have a confession. Uh, you you know the uh, the Karate Kid movies. Yes. I watch them all in succession, just the fight scenes, and it takes about the length of a normal movie, and it's fucking great. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that's like, uh, you know, Trump uh, supposedly would fast forward through Bloodsport just to get to the fight scenes. <laughs> I mean, he's not wrong. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the well, man's I mean, not wrong in that case. I mean, um, what, what, are you, what are you missing? Jean-Claude Van Damme's acting? Yes, exactly. <laughs> Dukes, like like put up your dukes, as he says in Bloodsport. So my my take is essentially is essentially yes, I I, I agree. It is it is a it is a bad film that doesn't ask. It's not it's not bad in the sense of there's nothing really to make fun of because it has no pretensions to being anything other than what it is. It's mm-hmm. not telling you that it's a story about grief and trauma. It's not telling you that it's a story about believing in yourself. It's a story about ninjas fighting goro um and in that sense it is i i want to make a larger argument here that it is what i would consider like teenager media where it is Mm. essentially like the chum of media where it is a bunch of interesting bloody bits that you throw into the shark pool of a teenager's brain that gets them thinking about stuff they see some some actual interesting, you know, martial arts fighting. They see some interesting special effects. And it's not good. Um, and it doesn't really matter that it's not good because it doesn't ask you to consider it as as a good movie. And in that sense, I would put it along something like Twilight, which was lambasted when it came out. And I myself, you know, certainly made fun of it. But in retrospect, it's like it's it's a film for teenagers Mm -hmm. and that's fine that it's not especially good. Like it's it's fun for teenagers to watch and it maybe sets them on the path for, you know, engaging with more interesting media. And it does have enough interesting elements to get your brain going. It's not, you know, Paw Patrol uh, and it's not Inspector Gadget. It is it is like a transitional piece of media with no pretenses for being anything else. And so it's bad in a way that is fine is, is my ultimate take from it. I'm torn here because on the one hand, I think we should probably wrap it up. We're in a good spot, <laughs> but two, this is definitely something I'd like to spar with you in a friendly way a bit at some point in the future. Cause I mean, like the opposite can be true too. Like hunger games was a very good film in the same genre and you don't have to make those justifications for it. That's true. Yeah, that that that's that's certainly true. Um, and I will I will gladly spar with you in the Kumite uh, <laughs> for the fate of Earth and opening the portals to Outland at another time. Um, I I agree with you that these films can be a lot more than this and perhaps should. But I guess my view is that the the bar to clear is very low, and it's nice yeah. if they clear much higher. But if they don't, it's kind of okay too. It's it's kind of like it's kind of like a Christmas pageant for first graders. Where if it is good, that's amazing. And if it's not, it's still your kid and they're trying the best as, as best as they can. <laughs> I mean, okay, if it's Kumite, everybody has to imagine my pecs flexing. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, Kurt, I do want to I do want to say that uh, you've now introduced the accursed phrase. 
elevated tournament media. <laughs> where it is actually every tournament is now mirrored to someone's trauma, you know. Yes. A24 presents Mortal Kombat. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Emo Kombat. Yes. And Pete, just to go back to your your uh, I think near the beginning you you mentioned that you you're judge of uh, of whether or not a bad movie is good. Uh there is a Mortal Kombat Rift tracks. I just looked it up. So, oh damn, <laughs> I, that's that's I have wrong. To say, I have to say, <laughs> I think the riff tracks would work for the first thirty minutes of the movie, and after that, I, I don't know what they'd be riffing on. Yeah, people punching and kicking each other. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they they what? He's he's a he's a puppet. How does he have testicles? Why do you punch him? <laughs> yeah. Well, I may have to watch that now and report back. Um. Should we be promoting anything? Uh, I will. I will, as usual, p- promote my uh, my digital magazine, Blood Knife, which is a magazine about sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and capitalism. It's at bloodknife.com, and you can find us at patreon.com slash bloodknife, or I'll say patreon.com slash bloodknife, since people have objected to my uh, more patrician pronunciation of Patreon. Um, so, but, Kurt, uh, but, I, yeah. if I remember correctly, uh, you guys have rediscovered the the lost art of p- paying submitters. Yes, that is true. And actually, we re- so so um, we launched paying people uh, forty dollars for an, an eight hundred word article, and I said that because it was slightly low below what uh, Jack had been paid, and that that seemed to me like a reasonable target of like, well, you know, here's this here's this like lefty magazine. I will try to pay at least as well as they could, and we couldn't quite. Um, and then we raise it to seven point five cents a word, just a little bit a, a little bit more than they paid. And we recently raised it to nine cents a word. Um, so yeah, so so our our goal is always to pay people first and foremost. Um, and so you know we thanks to the efforts of excellent writers uh, like the extremely talented R.S. Benedict, um, and uh, act, I, I would I should say actually two other people on this podcast, not you, Pete, um, we're still waiting True. for your pitch. Um, <laughs> you know, we have been able to increase, uh, our, uh, Patreon to the point where we've been able to raise the rates that we pay. Um, so we are now paying, um, SFWA qualifying rates for both our fiction and our nonfiction, um, which is the science fiction writers, uh, association of America, I think. Yes. Um, and, uh, and that, that's always been our number one priority. And so, yes, we, we try to pay fairly, First and foremost, and we're very proud and pleased with that. Um, our supporters have enabled us to, to do that, and we're very thankful for it. Excellent. Yeah. All right. And also uh, check out our our, our podcast. Uh, parents just just don't understand. Oh yeah. Yeah, um, I was wondering, man. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. We we have too many things going on, and I'm I'm perpetually behind and forgetting about things. Um, we just recorded an episode, which should be out by the time that this comes out. Um, it can be a race of the editors uh, about uh, waffles and mochi, which is so, so parents just don't understand is a a parenting and children's media podcast. Um, and we recently did an episode about the uh, the Obama family produced children's program waffles and mochi, which is about teaching kids to appreciate uh, different food and, and also that it's great to work in a grocery store. Um, and so the episode <laughs> about that should be out soon, along with a secret bonus episode, which was previously lost to the mists of time. Um, about Batman Mask of the Phantasm, which we did with the uh, RIP Cinema, and we need to talk about Kevin Crew. Um, so keep an eye out for both of those in the next couple of days, and hopefully by the time that this uh, episode is out, they'll both be out. <laughs> awesome. All right. All right. Anything else, Pete? Uh, Chris? Uh, 
I think we're there. No, thanks very much for having us on again. And uh, Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Mortal, Mortal Kombat. Guys, this was a flawless victory. Posty. Carlos, finish it. Friendship. 